Week 8 in the National Football League begins tonight, where the perpetually disappointing Buffalo Bills, even in a win at times, they did beat the Giants a couple of weeks ago. I watched it. Woof. Uh, but the Bills will take on the uh, who they playing? The Buccaneers tonight. Uh, and we'll see if the real Buffalo Bills show up. But as we bring in Brooke Pryor from ESPN, who will be a TV star tomorrow uh, on the network, so uh, check your local listings. Uh, I will ask Brooke, my friend, what are the Buffalo Bills? Gosh, isn't that a million-dollar question? Because uh, I don't know that they know. Right. Because uh, do you want Josh Allen to be Superman? Uh, I don't know that he throws interceptions, but you don't want him to be Clark Kent pre-phone booth because when he's pedestrian, why are you paying him that much money to just be a guy in a suit and be a game manager? So you need him to, like, you need to get him, like, as he's turning into Superman and putting on his cape, like, before he flies out. There's, like, a, a balance you have to hit exactly right. And the Bills don't have that. And part of that's because I don't think they have a great run game. No. I think that, that they are just relying too much on big splash plays, which then when you put the pressure on Allen to do that, that's when he throws picks. And, by the way, their defense is not good because they're old. And also, they're injured. And so it, it's just been this, like perfect storm of bad things to happen to this team and i just don't think that they have any real clear identity and that's kind of the kiss of death for an nfl team especially halfway through the season a couple of years ago josh allen was essentially the mvp of the league i mean my, i think he was the mvp and i don't even remember i don't remember awards uh from yesterday uh so <laughs> b- but they were that close and they should have beaten the kansas city chiefs right we all remember 13 seconds away from a victory and they allowed Kansas City to kick a field goal, tie it, and lost in uh, in overtime. Um, but they were that close. You never know when your time has come. Maybe that was the time. But they also lost mm-hmm. Brian Dayball after that. How, I mean, their offense, I don't know that it looks different, but their offense feels different to me. Yeah, it does. And I, I think that the Dayball thing is huge. Um, because it, to me, it kind of speaks to the Tomlin effect that coaches can have on teams because yeah, the, the schemes are similar. They're not doing anything that's wildly different, but who you have in charge matters. The relationship they have with, with their players, the relationships the players have with the coaches, the intangibles, the energy, is he a guy that you really want to play for that's communicating effectively? I mean, I, I don't know that Ken Dorsey isn't a player's coach, but I know that Brian Dayball is and that he's a guy that, like, everybody loves. Um, maybe not his quarterbacks when he's yelling at them coming off the field, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, in practice settings, like I've talked with Mitch Trubisky here uh, at the Steelers because Trubisky was in Buffalo for right. a year when Dayball was still there. I mean, he's a guy that, like, they really like. They FaceTime him. He's smoking cigars with them. Like, he's just a cool guy, and I don't think that we should discount the effect that it has when you lose a guy like that, it's hard to kind of maybe, you know, you feel like, okay, well, I've, I'm, I'm losing some of that juice that I had, and it's not an easily replaceable thing. So to me, that that is a huge part. And the 13-second loss game, it feels like that game was their kryptonite, and they didn't leave it in Kansas City. We're going to keep up with the, the Superman comparison. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> like he, it's like he took a little piece of that kryptonite, and he's wearing it on a necklace around him, Josh Allen. And he just, it's like it keeps him from in the Bills from reaching their full potential. I mean, that, that game really, like, 
the bad vibes from that, I think, have continued on for several years. It's this monkey that they're never going to be able to get off their backs. At Brooke Pryor on Twitter, you just walked me into a Harry Potter reference. It's a Horcrux. Oh, love it. It's a Horcrux. It is, That's, it is, it is a Horcrux. Wearing the locket. Wearing the uh, the locket right around the neck. It drove uh, it drove Ron Weasley into uh, apparating uh, out of the uh, out of the excursion. Oh, man, people. Uh, exactly pe- right. Thank you very much. For people who are uh, not Harry Potter fans, uh, go read the books. Brooke Pryor from ESPN is joining us here. The team that you cover... And I know uh, our friend Lavelle Moten, head ba- basketball coach at NC Central, uh, is good friends with Mike Tomlin. He makes a trip to uh, training camp every year. Uh, and, I mean, he's a constant tweeter of, of, of all things Mike Tomlin. That, that team, after getting blown out in their opener against San Francisco, a lot of people thought, well, okay, they're obviously not that good. They might be. They, well, they might be good enough. I, they're certainly not an upper-crust team in the conference, but they have three games in a row at home, all winnable games, very winnable games. They'll be favored in all three, and they're already 4-2. and two. Where are the Steelers right now? Well, the Steelers are similar to the Bills in that they don't really have an identity. But as far as like a scheme goes, but Mike Tomlin said something this week that to me, felt very accurate for how this team is. That they are their identity is that they're a gritty team. That they win the close games. I don't remember how many games they won by one possession, but it's like by far and away, most of the games that they're winning are these one possession games. If they can get to the fourth quarter and be within a score, I I would bet on the Steelers if I were a betting person, and if that probably didn't go against my job rules and things in my contract. But that's how I that's what I would do because I, this team is really good at winning the close games. They have that X factor, that intangible. I mean, Kenny Pickett was seven for seven for 138 yards in the fourth quarter and was awful the first three. This offense put up over 200 yards or almost 200 yards in the fourth quarter alone, and in the first half they only had 91 yards. So there's something that turns on. It's the switch that flips late in games that keeps them in this. And I, I don't know that they're a good team, but they're a team that's winning. And I, it's weird to say that I don't think they're good, but they're winning. But, like, mm-hmm. that's the case. Um, and I think Marcus Spears had the best analogy earlier this week on Get Up that the Steelers are like that smelly kid in school that you're not going to pick a fight up, fight with. Like, you can talk bad about him and say, oh, gosh, this guy really stinks. I don't want to be near him, all this stuff. But you know better than to start throwing punches because he's going to fight dirty and he's going to win every single time. You just kind of keep your distance from him. Like, that's that's how the Steelers feel. They're a very dangerous team because they're they're not perfect and they're scrappy and they're gritty. I'd like to ask Marcus Spears uh, what he experienced he had with the smelly kid. Uh, in school, <laughs> because that is oddly specific. Like it's almost, the, yeah. the the smelly part is almost gratuitous, so it's oddly specific. It must have happened to Marcus uh, a long, long time ago. Is there something rotten in Cleveland? Because Deshaun Watson seemed healthy. They won a game. Then all of a sudden, he's not playing. Now he gets hurt. Like I'm not saying that he's faking it at all. At all. We're getting so many mixed signals out of Cleveland. He's not going to play this week. It'll be P.J. Walker again. Uh, Cleveland's got an amazing defense. They just need their offense to do a little bit. 
uh, and they can win games or just get the referees to help them out like they did in the Colts game uh, with two horrific calls at the end that really uh, robbed the Colts of a win. Uh, But what is the deal with Deshaun Watson? You know, he was talking today and saying that he he doesn't want to play until that shoulder is 100%, and I get it, but it kind of feels like when you get out of a relationship and you want to see your ex, but you want to, like, make sure that, like, you look great. You've got the revenge body. You've got the good outfit. Like, you want to make sure that the next time they see you, you are at the top of your game. And since Deshaun Watson sat out the year in Houston, Mm -hmm. sat out the time for his suspension, he has not looked good. And the first year, it was kind of like, well, okay, he's, you know, trying to get back in football shape. He's trying to get back into the rhythm of the game. This year, he starts out, he doesn't look great. He doesn't look like he's worth all that guaranteed money. And then he gets hurt. And now he kind of has this excuse to be like, okay, well, I I don't want to come back until I'm 100% because I don't want to risk looking bad. So I'm now going to take my time, make sure, you know, I'm getting in the gym. I'm doing all the things to have that revenge body so that now I can come back and and I can remind everyone why I'm so good. But I want to make sure that there's no excuses when I come back. So, but it still feels like, right at this point, it feels like this is going down as the worst trade in NFL history between what Cleveland gave up, the money that they paid him, and the returns that they're getting. And you you hit the nail on the head. They have a championship defense. They're in a very similar situation to the Jets where this is an elite defense, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the offensive support. And unlike the Jets, their guy is, I mean, Aaron Rodgers would kill to only have a shoulder injury. He would be out there slinging it. John Watson played through a torn ACL at Clemson. They would love to have that as their problem. Cleveland, ha- like their their quarterback that they've spent all this money on, all these resources on, is in the building. He's walking around. In theory, he could probably play, but he just isn't the guy that he was when he came out in college. He just he isn't, and yeah. I think that that's a really tough thing for him to accept and for the franchise to accept because he's still got several years of guaranteed money on that contract that's really going to hamstring them as far as what they can do going forward and what moves they can make to add to this team. Yeah, they can't trade him. I know I saw somebody speculate that, well, maybe they'll trade him. Nobody's taking that contract. Nobody's got the cap room to take that contract. I don't know. I mean, I, I think you can eat some of it. I think there are rules that would allow the Browns to, you know, retain some of the money, but... Uh, man, they it's the contract that nearly wrecked quarterbacks and nearly wrecked the Baltimore Ravens, and there's no direct correlation between Deshaun Watson and the Baltimore Ravens because it, it forced Lamar Jackson, and I, I agree with him, to hold out for the best possible deal that he could get. And by the way, that we're in the part of the season where Lamar Jackson looks like he's worth all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, Lamar Jackson is playing incredibly well. I mean, the, the game they had against Detroit was one of those games where you say, oh, yeah, that's right, Lamar Jackson <laughs> has been an MVP. He can be it again. Yeah, he's worth Deshaun Watson's contract, and Deshaun Watson is not worth his contract in the slightest. You could put a free enforced – you could put a free, you know, a good home sign on him and put him out on the curb, and nobody's taking him because they know, eh, it's not really free. It's like you – buy a Peloton bike from somebody and then realize, oh, I have to pay this insane monthly fee to be able to use it. So that's kind of what Deshaun Watson is. He's a he's a free Peloton bike on the curb that nobody's going to take because they don't want to have to pay the monthly maintenance fee and, you know, gym subscription fee. <laughs> 
the Pella, I don't know. I don't. I would. I don't want to compete on on the. I just want to get my work done and go. I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't want to have to uh, to prove it to uh, to anybody. Brooke Pryor is joining us here. Before we uh, we let you uh, tell everybody where you're going to be on TV tomorrow, because uh, we kind of hinted at the trade deadline. Uh, do you think there's a big piece that is going to move in the next week? I mean, I don't know. I don't really feel like there is because it seems like I mean. The Panthers, it feels like, are, are the most likely team to move something because they're starting out 0-6 and they need to, you know, get a, a first-round pick. But, uh, you know, a team like the Minnesota Vikings, I thought, could, you know, maybe part with, like, Kirk Cousins or something to the Jets. I know that was that was a source of speculation a week or two ago, but now they're winning. So do you really want to trade right. anything away? The Giants have told Saquon they're not trading him. Devontae Adams, it seems like he would like to go somewhere. He also seems like a guy that's, that would be on my most likely, if there's going to be a move, it will be him. Um, but it just, right now at this point, it doesn't feel like we're gearing up for any sort of splash unless, you know, this is the way that the NFL walls us into this sense of, you know, oh, nothing's going to happen. We're just going to be here and just kind of coast on and the trade deadline's going to come and go and we can all go trick-or-treating with our friends and family. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we're going to be in the middle of putting on face paint and Devontae Adams is going to go to Dallas and now we're writing up a news story with like half a clown face on. So, you know, just just normal things in, in the NFL world. Did, did you just tip your hand on your Halloween costume, Brooke Pryor? Unfortunately, no. Um, as creative as I can be when I write, I lack that when it comes to Halloween costumes. So I am a Halloween costume appreciator. I like looking at what everyone else has done while I wear, like, a Halloween-themed sweatshirt and pass out candy and call it a day. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, final thing is we have our rookie quarterback bowl because people here uh, and in Charlotte have completely decided that the Panthers have already lost the draft, even though we are six games into both careers, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Um, your thoughts on this game and ultimately what it means? I mean, look, we, we love a snap reaction, right? I mean, I think that I I was never a fan of Bryce Young as the number one overall pick. I, I said from the beginning, I thought, he was too small, and so many things had to go right for him to make an immediate impact. And I was looking at guys like a Kyler Murray recently, who obviously is still injured right now, working his way back as, mm-hmm. as a sign. You know, I want to take somebody that I think will project to be more durable. And I really liked Anthony Richardson, and look <laughs> at how much I know because he's now done for the year. Um, but I do think that it, it's too early to say that the Panthers lost the draft. But gosh, extrapolating out from their you know small sample sizes, TJ Stroud is really really good. Yeah. And I saw him in Houston uh, when they beat the Steelers and put on an absolute clinic, and it was really impressive. And he was doing it with like backup on backup on backup offensive linemen. I mean, he had guys going down in the game. He had guys on IR to start the game, and yet he looked so poised and was playing like a much older player and just like the savviness of, of his moves. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a painful one 
for Panthers fans um, to keep an eye on because it's going to be the what if bowl. The oh, we could have had this if we if we had just done one more thing. If we had just had a different evaluation, we could have had that guy. Um, and I, you know, I feel for my friends who are getting married in Charlotte on Saturday. Big Panthers fans. They are having their day after wedding brunch at a sports bar to watch the Panthers game. So mm. um, thoughts and prayers to that. That is a rocky way to start off a marriage. That is, uh, that's an interesting after the wedding uh, idea. Um, I would, yeah. I would simply say, and I said this at the time they did it, trading up from nine to one in this draft. Okay, that's a choice. Uh, yep. When, when Drake May, the Charlotte kid, is waiting in the next draft. But that's okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's and Caleb Williams too, who uh, you know some people think is a generational prospect. I don't think anybody thought these kids were generational prospects, but good ones. Frank Reich says he liked all the quarterbacks. Well, I mean, he's going to say that. Uh, wh- when are you on TV tomorrow, Brooke? I will be on ESPN from eight to ten a.m. on Get Up, and I am very excited to be joining my friends in the Seaport. So. I got to watch uh, Thursday Night Football, send them all my notes on the Baker-Josh Allen Bowl. Oof. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Baker Mayfield's a guy I know very well from covering him at OU. So I'm excited to talk about him and uh, whatever the Bills decide to, whatever version Clark Kent or <laughs> Superman that shows up for Josh Allen. It'll be uh, Superman with the glasses still on. We'll be watching it in the studio because ESPN is on all day. Hey, Brooke Pryor, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Brooks, the best.